As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome aboard The Athletic's Can't Wait Jets podcast, your nonstop shop for all things Jets with Tim McMaster, Zach Rosenblatt, and Marissa Dunn. Can't wait! The NFL offseason is here. The Chiefs are champs, second time in four years. The Jets continue to work to put the pieces in place to reach the top of that mountain eventually. I'm Tim McMaster, along with Zach Rosenblatt and Marissa Dunn. Thanks for joining us on the Can't Wait podcast. Uh, it's been a couple of weeks, so it's good to be back. Yeah. Thanks for everybody for Forgot what you guys us. looked like. I know. <laughs> There's been no um, Jets news. It's crazy. I know. No, it, no like emergency the, pods, uh, nothing. Yeah, the Jets news is kind of simmering. It's just kind yeah. of waiting to explode. And, and Marissa, yeah, and Marissa get... hasn't been busy with her other podcasts at all, so she's just yeah. been like hanging out <laughs> on the beach and stuff. The, the podcast we shall not name. Yes, but a <laughs> rough, a rough. Actually, we should start there. Actually, we're going to get to the quarterbacks. Uh, we're going to get to the Todd Downing hire, which has happened yeah. since we last spoke, and also uh, we'll talk a bit cap casualties, possibilities, and the draft a little bit as well. But first, obviously, the Super Bowl. Uh, the Eagles, Marissa's second favorite podcast, Birds <laughs> with Friends. Um, those guys, Bo, Bo and Zach, they they went all the way to the end. And what a great game until the last two minutes where it yeah. just kind of like fizzled out. But um, with that, Zach is officially the champion of our picks for this season. So yeah. four years we've done picks on the Can't Wait podcast. Winner, yeah. And we've had four different winners. Uh, the three <laughs> of us and that other guy, Connor. He won it once too. <laughs> um, but but real quick, just Super Bowl thoughts from you guys, Zach. Um, I mean, I thought I didn't think the end really took away from the game because the drive got them in field goal range. They ended up getting the field goal. Yes, it cost us a chance to see uh, whether or not Jalen Hurts could drive the Eagles down the field. But I think it was still a, a tremendous Super Bowl. Yeah, you know. For me, as someone who covered the Giants for two years, like seeing James Bradbury and Kadarius Tony be like the two big like takeaways from the game was like very like surreal, especially Tony. Yeah. Um, like just such a w- weird as as it always is with him, just like such a weird you know outcome for his seat. Like he barely played in that game, which people seem to be like leaving that part out of it. Like they the, the Chiefs didn't believe in him enough to like play him much that game, but they did to put him in position to score a touchdown and to have that like a crazy punt return. Um, but yeah, that, you know, it was a great game. You know, I, in the moment I was like everybody else on Twitter, I like flipped out that they called that penalty at the end. 
ultimately it was a it was a penalty like even james bradbury has come out and said it uh but yeah it was a great game and you just knew like even though the eagles had that lead and it was such a high scoring game and um you just you just know patrick mahomes at this point like he's never out of any game and so i don't think anybody i'm i mean i i'm i'm in a lot of like eagles fan group chats just because all everybody from where i'm from is eagles fans so they were all like live reacting and stuff but i, I don't think anybody sat there at halftime i forget what the score was and thought like the eagles were for sure 24 14 yeah yeah 24 yeah. 14 and then they scored again i feel like after halftime or something like that um but yeah it was it was a it was an entertaining game it was what i thought it would be and jalen hurts was awesome uh i mean it's pretty hard to lose when you score four touchdowns and don't throw any picks but <laughs> the deep the defense the, the eagles defense was not like they were out coached by andy Reid yeah. and the enemy and you know you heard a like a lot of the stories about you know, they saw something that the Eagles had been falling for all season and they just kept hitting that on them. And I think that's what the Tony touchdown was or or the Sky Moore one. I can't remember. But um, those yeah, are both was, kind of the same play, right? With like yeah. a little bit of motion. And yeah, exactly. Losing the, the defensive back. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, it was a, it was an entertaining game. And, and both those are both teams that, you know, teams like the Jets who are trying to get to that the top of the mountain should really like, you know, model themselves after in terms of how you build a roster. Uh mm -hmm your coaching staff, all that stuff. You know, I mean, Joe Douglas comes from the Howie Roseman tree, and I, I think he has used a lot of those lessons. But I, I think just the way Howie built that roster, the way the Chiefs did too. I mean, the, it's easy to build the way Chiefs did almost because you have Patrick Mahomes. So if you have that guy, then everything around it is fine. But the way Howie Roseman built up that roster, went all in on that year, and um, I, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned for the Jets. Well, we even talked about this on Prospects of Pros yesterday. The Chiefs 2022 draft class, Isaiah Pacheco, New Jersey guy, yeah, was a seventh-round pick and played such a pivotal role yep. in the game. So The cornerbacks, you know, yeah. Yeah, the cornerbacks. Yeah, and the, and so the Jets the, haven't been great at those late picks. Sky yeah. Moore, right, was last year too. Um, yeah, second-round pick, I think, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they had a lot of young guys playing such a big role in the game, and obviously, you know, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes, but um, – <laughs> Yeah, because that, well, that's when how you're paying you Patrick right. Mahomes what you're paying yeah. Patrick exactly. Mahomes. Exactly, you, you need, need to hit Well, that's how you fill out the guys. roster, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the, yeah. that's why the, the Jets are running into the trap that teams like the Giants and other teams have in the past where you, I mean, Zach Wilson might have not been good, which doesn't help either, but you wasted, like, you know, a rookie contract. The Jets went all in on spending money the last two years, and they got to a point last year where you felt like they had a really good roster, but they still didn't have the quarterback. But, you know, you, right. you really have to capitalize on those years like the Eagles did. Like, that's that's... Yeah. That's what how because Jalen Hurts is about to get paid forty million a year now or more. Uh, he's probably mm -hmm. going to be top, like three to five highest paid quarterbacks in the league now, um, and so they're not going to be able to like the roster is not going to look the same because they're going to have to pay Jalen Hurts now. But like and I don't know, like we sit here now and the Jets are currently projected to be over the salary cap and they're their team that doesn't have a quarterback. Like that's the worst possible combination of of things that you could say. So um yeah i don't know I, you hope joe douglas learned a lot from his old his old boss uh his his job depends on it this year yeah yeah the last two years they had all that money and now it's spent and and you were depending on that young quarterback and he's not there but things can be done the nfl we saw the saints just play magic magical chairs with the salary cap for a <laughs> lot of do, years yeah. with drew Brees. there's there's definitely ways to do it and uh the jets are gonna Need to do a little bit of that. Yeah, I, I took away from the Super Bowl that I think the Eagles are actually the better team, but the the uh, 
the Chiefs had the better day, had the better half, and yeah. had a better coaching game, right? I'm not saying the Eagles coaches are bad. Obviously, yeah. Sirianni did an amazing job. I mean, Andy, job Re- Andy Reid's as good as it gets, yeah. Yeah, and both Eagles coordinators are now head coaches, right? In yeah. Weeks yeah. Since that Crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, props to to Reid and Biennemi and all those guys. And Marissa was up till 6.30 in the morning with the uh, Birds with Friends yeah. guys. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. After the, after the Super Bowl? Yes, yeah, because oh they're God. on Mountain Time. So when oh, the time right. they finished writing and... Uh, <laughs> a losing locker rooms hard to get you know you guys you, you guys did an episode like every day during uh the yes. week off or whatever right yeah yep. superb owl week um, oh my God. Wolf would like to call it but <laughs> you know all of our writers did such a great job covering the super bowl and oh, for sure. you know you know obviously we're gonna plug the athletic here but you know you really couldn't get that kind of coverage from a team perspective from a national perspective so I'm sure they're all pretty tired this week, but they did they did an awesome job and definitely deserve a little time off after yeah. that. So. I, I do I do think when I started on the Eagles was uh, 2018 after they'd won the last Super Bowl. And I just remember all the writers just being because there's not much like combines in two weeks. Like, exactly. There's, not, there's no so, break. So the it's beat writers, you know, nobody's going to yeah. nobody's going to care about the beat writers complaining, but the beat writers don't really get any time off no. until like, you know, that stretch between training camp and mini camp. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's real like grind. Like you're, you don't have time to breathe. And they're got I was I mean, I was I was toast at the end of the jet season and they their season right. ended like usually does. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> like training camp started the end of July. So this has been nonstop you know, crazy weekends, nights. So. Yeah, shout out to shout out to everyone uh, who did such a good job covering the Super Bowl for us. So, yeah, lucky to work with them for sure. All right, and with that, let's move on to the Jets and what we just talked about—the quarterback position. That's where we'll start. Uh, Derek Carr officially a free agent, released yesterday uh, by the Raiders after he refused to waive his no trade clause. Obviously, some animosity there between Carr and the team could have helped them out could have gotten them some picks by kind of agreeing to get traded somewhere but instead he is a free agent um, which makes things in some sense better for the Jets right because they don't have to if they go and get Carr and can convince him to come to New York they don't have to spend draft capital they have to spend money and they have to convince him to join New York instead of a myriad of other teams. So let's yeah. start with, with him, Zach, what do you think the timing goes by here with, uh, with Derek Carr? It's, I think it's a real unknown. You know, I, I think it was reported that he's going to take his time and maybe visit some teams. He already visited the saints when he was still on the Raiders. Um, and I think the saints are, should, I don't know if they should be considered the front runner, but they should be considered like really high up there. Cause Dennis Allen was his first head coach at, with the Raiders. So there's some connection there and they have a good roster and all that stuff. They do have to clear a lot of cap. They're like 55 million over the cap or something insane like that. Uh, all those years of pushing it back, you know, eventually catches up to you. But yep. um, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't really get a read on how quickly it's going to happen. I imagine he'll be resolved before free agency at the very least. So, you know, that's a month from now, uh, maybe in the next couple of weeks, you know, hopefully by the combine, you kind of know. Mm-hmm. Uh, the interesting thing for me, like from the Jets perspective is, you know, they obviously want Aaron Rodgers. Nobody knows that. Aaron Rodgers is going to do besides Aaron. anybody can act like they know nobody knows that I don't think I think it's a really big mystery around the league right now he's going into his darkest retreat I forget what maybe today is that now tomorrow. right I think he yeah because yeah. he, he, he said yesterday everybody was like all up in arms because he hadn't gone into it yet but <laughs> I don't know like so you have to wait for him to get out of his darkness retreat for four days um and then when he gets out of there is he going to retire is he going to want to return to the Packers is the Packers going to want to trade him like there's so many steps between 
now and the Jets, in theory, even having a chance at him because you have to convince him to come to you also. Uh, and other teams like the Raiders, who have his buddy at receiver, Devontae Adams, are like, we'll be obviously trying to get him too. So I, I'm curious if the Jets are going to be willing to wait out Aaron Rodgers or are you going to go all out to try and get Derek Carr right now? Because, it, I, I, and I think we've talked about this. Like, if, if you come out of this and you don't get Derek Carr and then Aaron Rodgers, like, eh, I'm going to say in Green Bay, uh, then you're left with, you know, and, and when, whenever that is decided, who knows? Like, will that be decidable free agency? I have no idea. You would hope it would be because I think Aaron Rodgers is smart enough to know you have to, you know, to help your team out that you're going to do. Um, but, okay, they don't get Aaron Rodgers, then then, you have, then you're stuck with uh, free agency and trying to get Jimmy G, which is not guaranteed that you can go and get him, or trying to get Ryan Tannehill, who's technically still on the Titans roster, and or you settle for Mike White or um, Jacoby Brissett, like not, nothing that anybody's going to be excited about. So you left kind of you're left kind of empty-handed if you don't get one of Carr or Rodgers in a lot of ways and so I'm I'm very curious to see what Joe Douglas how Joe Douglas is going to approach this I know I, I think I'm pretty confident saying that Aaron Rodgers is at the top of their wish list and I think Derek Carr is number two um but the timing factor like how much is that ranking going to apply when you when you go for this like it's it's a really tight rope Joe Douglas is going to have to walk and you know, everybody, a lot of people's jobs depend on him making the right decision. Like the the coaching staff has their priorities. And I know there's a lot of these coaches have been researching all these quarterbacks. You know, I heard from somebody uh, in the building that um, they, they have like as many as like 19 quarterbacks on the list that they're like studying to see how they would fit here. Like, and that, that includes names that, you know, like the obvious ones, like we just mentioned, includes ones that, you know, may or may not be available, like a Matthew Stafford. Uh, like they, they have a, a long list of names. I think you have to prepare for all scenarios. Uh, I, I wrote something recently about like, like a two part thing, like ranking all the quarterback candidates they'd consider. I had Jimmy G as the, like the number one, most likely that winds up here. And I think you'd be happy with that, but the problem is his, he's injury prone. And do you trust Zach Wilson's number? Anyway, these are all topics we're going to talk about a lot over these weeks, I imagine. But to, to answer your original question, Derek Carr, like I, I have no idea when it's going to play play out i i would think we know something by the combine like that that's a decent amount of time for him to go and visit teams and negotiate and all that stuff so i, I would think by the combine we know Derek Hart. aaron Rodgers, i which have no starts idea. the week of february 27th yes yes yeah. and he's already met with the saints right like yeah he's done that visit yeah so. and, and apparently the jets in i didn't heard this but i think albert Breer reported that um uh the jets like at least contacted him or the raiders during that process but it was like you know, never really got anywhere because it was, I think it was pretty clear they were not going to actually trade him or he wasn't going to accept a trade anywhere. Uh, and, and the thing is, and I know a lot of fans are pretty anti Derek Carr, but I, I, I think ultimately you have to just, they need to get the best possible quarterback, whether he's the long-term solution. I don't think he needs to be, you, you can sign him for a two year, a three-year deal where it's only guaranteed for two years or whatever it is and pay him a bunch. And then you either draft somebody this year, or you draft somebody next year to develop as your long-term guy. But, they need a court. This is a, a coaching staff and a and a GM that needs to win right now. And you're not going to you're not going to make it to the playoffs unless you get one of these guys that are proven that they can be a starting quarterback in the league. And I, I, I think Mike White is a capable player, but, you know, I don't know if you can fall back on that if you if you strike out with all these guys. So there's a lot of pressure on them to get Carr or Rodgers, I think. And if they don't, you wind up with Jimmy G or Tannehill that they'll spin it and they'll say this is who we wanted the whole time. And um, you know, he's certainly more capable than what they had last year and you feel a little, maybe a little bit better, but at the same time, those aren't the most exciting quarterbacks and neither of those guys are going to sell tickets, which, you know, ultimately I think Woody cares about too. So 
I just don't get Rodgers being the number one option just from an age standpoint and yeah. from a, I mean, let's be honest, like who knows, right? Where's, where's his head at? Like, I, I just don't quite get it. He's, he's going to be a quarterback for what, one year, maybe I guess he's got two years left on that deal, but two years max. And then you're right back where you were. Um, and what would it cost you, to get him? Yeah. Plus yeah, draft picks. Plus yeah. The, it's the very, com- that's why I said there's so many steps between now and yeah. them even like getting him like in, the, the idea is you you bring you bring the, the reason they want him is like I think it's obvious you know he's Aaron Rodgers he makes your team better even he's if he's thirty nine year old Aaron Rodgers he's thirty nine year old Aaron Rodgers but even Aaron Rodgers on the decline like his he had his worst season in yeah. years last year and it's still better than anything the Jets had forever <laughs> um, you know what you know Woody is tantalized by the idea of Rodgers jerseys and Rodgers all the tickets and they can raise the prices more with they have Aaron Rodgers in there I know fans are already upset that they started raising the prices already and that's without a quarterback so. You know, and and in theory, you you could spin it as he can mentor Zach Wilson, like you can do all that stuff. But like you said, there there's a lot of downside to Aaron Rodgers. Ultimately, the Jets, their their focus is just getting the quarterback, and then you you deal with the consequences later, kind of thing. But yeah, there's a lot of downside to Aaron. I think you probably have to draft a quarterback if you get Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if that means first or second round or whatever. Like you you can't you can't plan for Rodgers being here more than two years, and you know. And and the and the draft compensation part, like, can you guarantee he's here more than one year? Because if if you're giving up a first round pick, you, you you'd like to have that quarterback be there for more than unless you're a team that's going to win the Super Bowl right now, um, which the Jets are not, as they are. They might believe that they have the ability to do that with him, but they're not going to win the Super Bowl if you just plug in Aaron Rodgers. So there's there's a lot between now and then, and that that's why I've been more skeptical that that's a real possibility because you're really banking on the most unknown commodity that maybe in the NFL in terms of like what he's thinking, because he's just a wild card. I mean, if you watch any of his interviews, Pat McAfee, which I sometimes have to turn off, including yesterday, because <laughs> I was told to, to listen in just in case he said anything. And he started talking about how some news is coming about uh, Jeffrey Epstein or something. And I'm like, all right, I'm tuning out of this. <laughs> and so you, there's a lot that comes with the Aaron Rodgers experience, things like a darkness retreat, things like, you know, all, all the, all the COVID stuff and the vaccine stuff. And, and the things he says, and you know, he, he's going to be getting interviewed every week on McAfee, I'm sure, still. And so, and anytime he says something, it goes crazy. He always acts surprised when he says something, and people go crazy about it. And I'm like, you don't act surprised. Like you knew everybody was going to flip out about your darkness retreat. No, nobody that does a darkness retreat in the NFL. Like, uh, so he's a wild card in a lot of ways. He'd be fun to cover in a lot of ways. He wouldn't, but ultimately, the Jets, the Jets want him. Like that's absolutely true, is what I can say. I'm just surprised that Joe Douglas would be wanting that headache, I guess, I mean, for lack I mean, of a better I'm, term. But yeah, but, but there's the talent. For, and, and from their perspective, yeah, they're, they're like, it's worth the headache because we have a good quarterback. But, yeah. you know, and the, the similarities to the Brett Favre when they went and got Brett Favre is like pretty wild because he was 39. He was getting replaced by a young quarterback. I think Jordan Love's the same age that Aaron Rodgers was uh, coming to the Jets. Like, it, it it's. <laughs> too perfect and it would probably and you know when jets fans kind of expect the worst to happen so you you hope it wouldn't but aaron Rodgers is 39 so who knows all right so that's the quarterback situation it'll slowly become clearer as we go although depending on what direction they go it could be hazy for a while it could be like we're all in a darkness retreat for, for a little <laughs> while before we before we figure this out. All right, we're going to talk about Todd Downing, uh, the new passing game coordinator, cap casualties, and the draft. But first, we have to take a quick break. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, we're rolling along with the coaching staff. Obviously, we talked about the new offensive coordinator uh, last episode, but now the secondary hire that the Jets had made clear was coming is Todd Downing, hired as the passing game coordinator. Uh, like Keith Carter, who's the, the run game coordinator, Downing also comes from the Titans. Um, as far as the quarterbacks, you mentioned this in your story, Zach, but he, uh, he obviously has been coaching Ryan Tannehill uh, the last couple of years as the OC in Tennessee. Uh, he worked with Derek Carr back in 2015 to 2017. Um, but what what is expected from Todd Downing as far as this role? How much does it have to do with Zach Wilson as well and, and helping develop a quarterback? I believe I mentioned Todd Downing as like when we were trying to come up with uh, names for like possible senior assistants or whatever. I believe I mentioned him a while back on here. Um, ding, not to ding. take credit or anything. Because <laughs> I'm sure I've been wrong many other I times. I should have pulled so. the clip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Nailed it. On the rare time, rare occasions, I'm right. I need credit for it, you know. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it. I don't think I don't think they're making any decisions factoring in Zach is what I would say. Um, I think that's kind of where it's at. I heard something about how so, there were some like candidates they had interviewed that, uh, like for the offensive coordinator job that were, I don't know if worried is the right word, but like concerned that they were going to be expected to fix Zach Wilson. Like that was like a concern that some of these guys had. Um, but Todd Downing, you know. I, I've, I saw it's been an interesting reaction. I mean, you know, it, we ha, I guess we sh have to mention that he did get arrested for DUI last year. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure that factored into him getting fired at the end of the season. Um, clearly, the Jets did their research into that and were comfortable with what they found. Um, you know, the, the Jets, I mean, the Titans passing offense ranked last, I think, in most categories last year. I think it is important to remember that Tannehill got hurt. Um, you know, they're playing Malik Willis, who they were scared to even throw the ball with. Like, there were multiple weeks where they threw it like five times. <laughs> Um, and when it wasn't him, it was Josh Dobbs, who they signed off the street. You know, the receivers, they traded A.J. Brown, replaced him with a rookie, and Traylon Burks, who got hurt for most of the year. So their receiver group was pretty poor. Their offensive line And they're was a kind super run-heavy team to begin with. And they're a run-heavy right? team to Derek begin Henry with. So, and, yeah. so I, I get why people are concerned with, like, the rankings from, like, last year. But I don't think that paints the full picture. I think it Downing does deserve a lot of credit for helping rejuvenate Ryan Tannehill. Because if you remember... You know, he was kind of he wasn't a failure in Miami, but he was kind of a disappointment. And he gets to Tennessee, he's the backup behind Mariota. Mariota gets hurt. Tannehill comes in, he has this like rejuvenation, and that's why he's making as much money as he is now. And Downing was the offensive coordinator for that. He was Derek Carr's quarterback coach, uh, and offensive coordinator in, in uh I guess Oakland for for a few years. You know, yeah, they're clearly you can kind of see where they're going with this offense a little bit, you know, Hackett. He has a relationship with Downing, which I think is part of it. Uh, but you, you bring in Downing to be the pass game coordinator. You have Keith Carter being the run game coordinator and the offensive line coach. 
they've talked a lot about how they want to be a run heavy team. I think they're trying to, you know, adapt a lot of that scheme to that. And Nathaniel Hackett runs a pretty similar scheme to what LaFleur did and in, in terms of the running concepts. And, you know, I, I think you can see a, a scenario where they're almost preparing for the prospect that they do have to run the ball a lot uh, because maybe they didn't get the quarterback that they wanted or whatever. And the fact that they they are so focused on these, these coaches that have like a running offense background is interesting. I mean, it is a, he is a passing game coordinator technically, but um, yeah, I don't know. They're, they're gonna have to do something at running back, I think, because I don't, I don't, I'm not as confident as the team seems to be that Brees Hall is going to be himself right away. So you need to get some help in there, I think. Um, and in terms of downing, I, I, I get the impression that he's going to work, you know, not exclusively, but pretty heavily with the quarterback position. Like he's going to be a pseudo quarterback coach. Rob Calabrese isn't going anywhere is my understanding. Uh, you know, Todd Downing is, is, you know, they wanted to bring a, a veteran coach onto the staff. He's, he's a guy that's been an offensive coordinator in this league for a while. So you see where Robert Sala's head at, even if, you know, fans aren't particularly excited about this hire, but I, I think he can bring something to the table and, you know, the, the Titans aren't the worst team to be adapting. You know, I know their passing game hasn't been that exciting. They've been run heavy, but I, you know, I don't know. And maybe this brings Tannehill here. And, and if Tannehill's here, he knows this offense, I'm sure pretty well. And, and this, and the tendencies that they have and all that stuff. So it's just something to keep in the back of your mind that he has ties to guys like Carr and Tannehill. And I don't, I don't think he's going to, you know, change the offense. It's going to be Hackett's offense. It's going to look a lot like what we saw the last few years, but Downing will, will play a big role. And this is a different kind of structure of this offensive staff that Salah kind of teased that he was going to do. And so you're seeing a run game coordinator, passing coordinator It's kind of what they did in San Francisco. Didn't really have an awesome offensive coordinator because Shanahan was calling the plays, but Hackett will do that here. So yeah, it's a new look staff and they still have to hire a wide receivers coach. They, I know they request to interview Rex Ryan's son, which would be kind of cool if they hired him uh, as the receivers coach to bring that back. I actually saw Rex was, he's a candidate somewhere. He's a candidate to be a DC somewhere. I forget which job it was. Was it Denver? Yeah, I think it was Denver. Sean Payton yes, might hire him as his DC, yep. which would be cool because then we'd be get awesome. a Jets Broncos uh, game this year too. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so, so Downing, I don't, I don't think he's going to like change the structure of everything they do or anything, but I, he, he's a name. He's experienced, coached, and Salah wanted to bring him in. And I think that's one key here, right, is the experience factor because you're going from – that was the problem, it seems like. Like LaFleur didn't have the experience. He was the bright young mind, but he had never been an offensive coordinator. He had never actually called plays for an NFL game, and you know it went sideways last year. So at least now you have levels of experience on that offensive staff, not just yeah. one person leading the way, but everybody there has years of experience in the NFL and multiple people who have been offensive coordinators. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, they, they need, they need to fix this offense. And so you could do worse than bring in a bunch of veteran guys. And, you know, and I know a lot of people weren't even excited about the hack at hire, but, you know, ultimately these are, these are experienced coaches with a history that, you know, they've experienced calling plays and the jets have some weapons on offense and you hope that they are the right people to get them the ball. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events. We've got the spot. Our partner StubHub has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. All right. Uh, we talked about it a little bit at the top. The fact that the Jets are no longer going to be enjoying the spoils of having a rookie contract, quarterback contract yeah. under center starting means 
you got to find some money to pay those guys, whether it's Carr or Garoppolo or Rogers or Tannehill. So where does the money come from? Probably a lot of cap casualties. So let's get into it, Zach. You have a story that you posted. Was that last week you put that up? I think about. I think it was where? last week. I can't. I lost track of time, but it was, it's been within the last couple of weeks. <laughs> and you go all like all the way down the roster. Um, so yeah. people definitely check that out at the Athletic. Um, you can join the Athletic right now. Athletic.com/slash can't wait one ninety nine a month. I think is the current deal for a year. Um, but the top of the list as far as savings goes, Carl Lawson fifteen point four million. Uh, Corey Davis, 10.5 million. Now all these have also like um, dead space attached to them. And it's very, you know, there's, there's this cap stuff is beyond my uh, expertise as far as NFL. I think all of our expertise, out. but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah but the big numbers of, I always are, have to ask people for help. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Lawson 15.4 Davis, 10.5 Jordan Whitehead, 7.25 Mosley, 6.57. Braxton Berrios, five million, and then one that's interesting is Dwayne Brown because if he was to retire and wait, you have in your article until uh, yeah. after June first, they actually save a good amount of money on Dwayne Brown. So when you look at that, that's the top of the list. You went much deeper than that. Um, how many of these guys do you think are gone versus figuring out a new deal for them to keep them around? Yeah, it's it's going to be a very interesting thing that that uh, Douglas is going to have to you know they don't have a lot of options in terms of restructuring. They're probably going to have. I don't think they want to get rid of CJ Mosley, and right now he has an untenable twenty one million dollar cap hit. Like you, you just can't have that for any player, let alone like an aging linebacker. So I think they're going to try and restructure him, maybe try and get him to take a pay cut. I don't know if he'd be willing to because he wasn't all pro and a Pro Bowler this last year. But you you you, you think they work, try and work that out? I don't think he's like a lock to come back, but. I'd be surprised if they cut him at this stage. I'm pretty confident Corey Davis is going to be gone. Uh, you know, he's been too injury prone. And the way that Douglas structured the Lawson and Davis contracts was so they could cut them this year without like really much dead cap penalty. So I'd say Davis is probably gone. You know, I think he's a good player. Maybe if he would agree to a pay cut, like I think he's a good fit for Hackett's offense, but um, he, he's, it's hard to rely on him. And I don't think he's been good enough. And I think, if he hits free agency, it's a really rough free agency class at wide receivers. So I think he could probably go and, you know, make a decent amount of money somewhere else. Lawson's going to be the interesting one because, hmm. um, I mean, a lot of it depends on what what quarterback they they go after. You know, if they sign Derek Card, you could probably structure it so maybe it's not a huge hit the first year or something like that. But, um, you know, Carl Lawson is a is a really good player. He's not you know an All Pro, but he's a really good player. He's a good pass rusher, a premium position. Uh, his cap hit is 15.7 million the last year of his deal. You cut him, you save almost all of that. And if the Jets want to revamp their offensive line, if they want a new quarterback, if they want to get another receiver, like all this stuff, then you know it, it's hard for me to envision him being back. But I, I also, it's it's not good to get into the habit of just like getting rid of good players. And you know they're in this spot because of their cap situation. Some of it's because of those some of those contracts McCagnan signed, including the Mosley one. Uh, but Lawson is just going to be the most fascinating one. Maybe you can get some value for him in trade, but it's hard when teams know that you're going to cut a guy uh, if you don't trade him. Um, you know, the 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 reason why you could see them cutting him, I think, is because you know you just drafted Jermaine Johnson in the first round last year. In theory, you'd like him to be ready to take on a full time role. You have Michael Clemens. You have you know Bryce Huff is restricted. You think they bring him back? They could bring in another veteran. It's going to be a riot if Bryce early. Huff doesn't come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> For sure. Um, it, it was funny. I think somebody sent me a clip of Garrett Wilson was at because he was on Radio Row doing all the interviews. And somebody asked him who the most underrated player in the NFL is. And he said Bryce Huff. <laughs> so the team, his team also wants him back, clearly. 
Um, yeah, so Lawson is a fascinating one that I can't really get a read on. Um, Dwayne Brown's another interesting one. They could cut or he could retire or he could come back. There's so much unknown on the offensive line. Like, can you rely on Makai? You know, Connor McGovern's a free agent. Uh, Nate Herbig's a free agent. George Fant's a free agent. I could see all three of them not coming back potentially. Uh, and so you have all these holes and do you really want to get rid of Brown too? He, when he's healthy, he's solid, but he's going to be coming off shoulder surgery and he's 38 years old. And um, so that's, that's a fascinating one. Barrios, you know, they really like him here, but Michael Flores is the one in particular that loved him. Uh, and he's making a little, like his cap hit is 8 million, which is a lot for basically a number four receiver and a, and a returner who had a down year as a returner. Uh, they just can't, they can't bring him back to that cap. But if they cut him, they lose, they save $5 million. Uh, he's a guy I could see maybe taking a cap hit, uh, you know, a pay cut. Cause I don't think he's going to make that money on in free agency necessarily. Um, he'd probably have interest, but I don't see him getting paid like a starting wide receiver. So he, he's one I, if I was predicting, I would say it gets cut, but I could see a pay cut type situation. And, th and there's a couple like smaller scale ones, you know, they, the NFL introduced this thing a couple of years ago. Uh, it's like performance escalators. It's for guys that aren't first round picks. They get like an increase in salary if they hit certain like playing time incentives. And so they get a, a, like a big jump in their salary in their fourth year. But what the problem is, what that's done is it's made teams want to cut these guys or ask them to take a pay cut because you cut them and you save that money and you don't have any dead cat penalty. So guys like Ashton Davis, Braden Mann, who probably was on his way out anyway, and Bryce Hall. I know they wanted to trade it last year. Like that, they're all making almost three million dollars, where they're only making like a little over one million, I think, before that. So I don't, I don't know if they want. Like Bryce Hall clearly doesn't have a role here. He was inactive most of the year, so they might have to just cut him because I can't see him taking a pay cut. Maybe Davis would take a pay cut. Um, they probably cut May and get a better punter. You know, that's a few million here, a few million there, and and then if you really need to keep adding guys, you can like restructure John Franklin Myers and, and things like that. You know, they, they don't have, a, you know, but a lot of people have. I've, I got, I've gotten into arguments with people on Twitter who say like the cap isn't real. It's real because you have to cut these guys in order to right. save money. Like if it, if it wasn't real, you'd be able to keep everybody all the time. So they've made all, they made all these decisions in past years and it's coming back to bite them now. And if they want to have money to go and get new players, another thing people forget is when you cut a guy, you also have to replace him. Like if they cut Jordan Whitehead, they don't have a, a single starting safety that, you know, that you trust in. So there's a lot of factors to consider with, with this stuff. And Lawson is the one I'm most fascinated by. I'm not really sure about Whitehead. I could, if they cut Whitehead, I think they probably go and sign like somebody at that level. Uh, but Lawson is the one I just don't know. And, you know, I would probably keep him if I could, but I also understand you wanting to save $15 million. And that's why you have to continue to hit in the draft. And yes. obviously the Jets did last year. They didn't the year before, and they'll they'll try again. This is a draft where they just have their picks. They don't have the the slew of picks that they had a year ago and and being able to move around and trade up and, and do what they did. So it's just a matter of of nailing them. Um and with that, Dane's Dane Brugler's top one hundred yeah. is out. His newest uh his mock two point oh also came out a couple weeks ago, I think. Yeah, and he, um, and, he, and, he, and he gave them what he talked about in our pod, Brian Branch, because he had talked about yeah. him as a possibility. Yeah, the safety from yes. Alabama. And, and they've raved about him. They've raved about him. Yeah, and the big thing with Branch, it seems like, it, let's start there, um, yeah. is he's a safety, right? You're picking 13. Do you want to yeah. take a safety 13? Yep. But he's also, according to Dane, right, like one of the very best defensive players in this draft. He just plays safety. But if he's a game-changing safety, it's probably worth it. It also fits a need. So he's definitely interesting. I just, 
I mean, do you think Joe Douglas goes safety at 13 when there's probably some, and we're going to get to these uh, linemen who could be yeah. available. Well, I think that's, that's the, that's the factor there. Cause if Broderick Jones, Peter Skaronsky and uh, Paris Johnson are all off the board at third, if they stay at 13, then you could see, I think, then I think you could defend picking branch. I, if you're picking him over one of those offensive linemen, when you have no clear solutions right now as to like, who's your guy at tackle or whatever, like, I, I don't know if I see it necessarily, but also like the appeal of getting a safety like that and having him on a rookie contract, if he's a pro bowl caliber guy for four or five years like that, that's definitely appealing. And, you know, then Jordan Whitehead can be a solid guy next to him, or you can cut Jordan Whitehead and fill that in with another veteran who's cheaper or something like that. Um, it's not till the end of April. So you'd probably have to decide on Whitehead between now and then, obviously, but um, yeah, I don't know. I 13 is definitely, I think, you know, most would say is a little high for safety. Unless you think a guy is going to be like a superstar, like then I think it's defensible. Um, but, you know, based on, you know, I covered the Eagles. Uh, Harry Roseman is someone who's not going to draft a safety that early or a linebacker. And Joe Douglas was there for a long time. I think he's more likely to focus on the trenches, whether that's they could certainly look at defensive tackle. I don't see them drafting a linebacker early. You know, I I guess I could see a scenario if there's like a receiver they love, but I don't I don't know if I see them doing another receiver that early again. So. It ultimately comes down to I think offensive line, defensive line, maybe branch would be would be my guess. Or or you mentioned you know, there, or there's the other scenario where they go after a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're gonna get to that too. Uh, but Skaronsky, yeah. Dane has number four. Uh, yeah. He's the number one O lineman. Really uh, Paris Johnson number nine, and Broderick Jones number twelve. Which you would think there's a chance that one of those guys yeah. slips down, depending on where the quarterbacks go and if anybody moves up and. I just have this weird feeling that like somebody's going to take a crazy shot on Anthony Richardson. Totally. Um, oh, he's, he's better the not be like... the jets because of what <laughs> they've gone through. But like some, I don't know. There's just such the tools are crazy. And he has, oh, these, yeah. there's a few plays. Like if you search him on Twitter, right. There's a few ridiculous plays he made at yeah. Florida, but overall he hasn't done it in games, but he is, you know, he's raw. And I I've also, you know, People say like, oh, could he be like Josh Allen where, you know, two years later, you're thinking, Everybody's oh, my God, how did that Allen, guy do yeah. that? Yeah. So as far as quarterbacks go, if they go that route, which seems crazy after Darnold and, and Wilson, um, I don't think they would bother with worrying about Bryce Young, right? Who's going to go in the top couple picks. Yeah. Uh, so then there's Stroud. Will is it Will Levis or the, it's Levis, right? Levis, so, yeah. Yep. And and Anthony Richardson are kind of the the next three, and I would say there's a chance one of those guys is there at thirteen. What do you think the fan base does if the Jets take a quarterback at thirteen? Um, I feel like it might that? be split. To be honest, I think it'll be like outrage, and then a, a there might be a percentage that are like, you know, we we need the young quarterback. Yeah, I, I, I can't imagine the fan base would react. <clears throat> I mean, especially if like we will know about these veterans by the draft. Exactly. Correct? Yeah. Right. You know. Right. So if they've gotten, if they haven't, you know, landed anyone, then yeah, maybe there's more optimism about it. I don't know. Well, what I what I would say is if they did get Aaron Rodgers, like I wouldn't rule out the possibility of them drafting one too, honestly. And I, Tim, that's questions you don't want the answer to. Um, <laughs> Taylor Delgado. Uh, yeah, I. I don't think the fan base would react kindly. I don't know if there's a scenario where they would li like it necessarily unless, you know, unless like, like we mentioned, maybe they get a Jacoby Brissett and then you draft uh, Will Levis or whatever, or, you know, CJ Stroud seems like he's the most pro ready of these guys, not, not including Bryce young. Um, 
Richardson, you know, like you said, is just the tantalizing. He's the guy that, and especially now everybody's talking about how you need a guy who's mobile. He's he's like the, that guy out of this group. Will Levis is the one that I think he's going to wow a lot of people in like his pro day stuff. And I, I, I think the Jets fell into a bad trap last time. They fell in love with somebody because of their pro day team. Um, yeah. At I least know. he I, played in the SEC, right? You know what I mean? Yes, Versus very true. Wilson. Although he didn't have an amazing year considering no. all the hype he had this year. But he's, he's a big guy. He's like 6'5". But yeah, I don't, I don't see them picking a quarterback. But as Marissa was saying, like we, who knows what's going to happen with this quarterback stuff and if they go into the draft and – the, the idea that this coaching staff would put it all on a rookie when their jobs are on the line, I, I don't see that happening. But so maybe it would be like you're pairing a rookie with a Brissett, uh, Andy Dalton or Tannehill or somebody like that. I will say Stroud was Garrett Wilson's quarterback. True. Was, That's a good point. He would be that. very supportive of that. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and vocal. I'm sure he would be. vocal. Yeah. Well, that, that that's been one of the most wild things about this offseason is. Number one, Woody Johnson is, keeps like doing interviews where he's like probably saying we need to upgrade the quarterback. We're not good enough there, which is like basically admitting that they don't believe in Zach. And you have Z Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner going all over Radio Row saying they want Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> like it, it's just like all these guys just like publicly. To, and, you know, the Jets, you know, Salah saying stuff like we we need we know we need to upgrade the quarterback position and, and all this stuff. It's just like they're they're trying to like be nice about it, but they're not really hiding that. You know, Zach Wilson's not really part of their plans. And it's. It's very interesting to see them just like publicly doing. It. I mean, it's it's obvious, like we all know it, but um, it, that's been fascinating to me. Yeah, absolutely. It is the just the rookies too. Like you knew this was what you're getting, right? You have these dynamic rookies with confidence that aren't afraid to say what they think, and they're up there on Radio Row saying it. I, I think it's great, um, personally, um, from the outside, but I don't yeah. know how Joe Douglas feels about it. But you know, <laughs> they I think they knew who they were drafting, right? These guys are. This is who they are, and they obviously yep. were amazing on the football field. So, um, all right, anything else before we say goodbye? Uh, no, I, I, I don't think anything really is going to happen other than maybe Derek Carr for until the combine. I would say they're not. I don't think the cap casualties usually start maybe around that week in the combine week. So, unless the Jets like traded somebody away, which I guess is possible, I, I don't, I don't think anything's going to happen. I mean, I, sh I should knock on wood when I say that. It's yeah. Jets. <laughs> it's going to happen in like five yeah. minutes after we finish. Yeah, yeah. I see, yeah, yeah our, our luck, our good luck streak will end with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I, I wouldn't anticipate that like the cap casualty starting yet. It's going to be a lot of just wild rumors about Aaron Rodgers and, and Derek Carr. And, you know, I'm just already looking forward to the moment where that's all over. That's kind of why I secretly want them to just get cars so and get this all over with now. And, I, and then we can just focus on the rest of the offseason, which I'm sure is an appeal for them, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So as far as our scheduling goes, um, if Derek Carr doesn't sign with the Jets in the next two weeks, I think the next time we'll be here with you is at the combine. I won't mm -hmm. be at the combine, but both Marissa and Zach will be at the combine. Yes. Right. So we'll have yeah. to figure out the technology on uh, on that. Oh, yeah. But, <laughs> but uh, that'll be fun. I'll miss you guys uh, with you guys out there. But um, it'll be uh, that'll be the next time we check in. Um, as I said earlier, if you want to join the athletic one ninety nine a month for a year right now, go to the athletic.com slash can't wait for that. Also on the athletic football show feed right now, um, there is a tremendous narrative podcast right now between the lines, uh, between right, the Marissa? lines, yep. between the lines, the uh, touch on read of, of football and race. Yeah, it's great. It just dropped the first episode yesterday. Um, it's mm -hmm. going to be five episodes total over the next month. 
So definitely check that out as well. And we're going to run a little preview for that, a little teaser as we say goodbye. We'll talk to everybody soon. The NFL is unmatched. Elite athleticism, weekly drama, millions watching every game day, billions of dollars in revenue. But among all that attention, money, and success, the league has a critical flaw. In my experience, the NFL does have a, a race problem, but more than that, the owners have a race problem. The people who make the hiring decisions, I don't think that they are going to look at two candidates and think the black candidate is clearly superior. What you don't realize is that as you're going through all of that, the stress it puts you on, it's like somebody beating you down every day. The thing is, it has to be player level. We call it the NFL, but I, the 32 owners, like, we can't sit here and say, like, this is important to all 32 of those guys. Football teams hated it. You know, issues like the national anthem, kneeling for the national anthem, issues like players speaking out in protest. Watching Roger Goodell, like, get on TV and, you know, try to sound like <laughs> he win it. We know it. there's a definite limit on this allyship, right? I wasn't a big fan of the NFL because of what I had to go through and the way it was, I looked up on it, and I just felt like I was fed up with the NFL. I'm Tashawn Reed, the host of a new podcast series from The Athletic called Between the Lines. The series details how America's biggest game has grappled with America's biggest issue. From the players who weigh the risks of being socially active in the wake of Colin Kaepernick, to coaches and executives vying for equal opportunities, to a league and owners who have failed to support and promote diversity. The series includes exclusive interviews from Ladanian Tomlinson, Doug Williams, Jason Wright, and several more players, coaches, and front office executives across the game. Look for Between the Lines starting on February 14th on The Athletic Football Show every Tuesday, wherever you get your podcasts.